This is the Data Privacy Detective, and today we're going to focus on uh, what happens when things go wrong, when there's an incident with uh, the handling of personal data or a breach, and we couldn't have a better person to talk with us today about that than Bob Dybert. Bob, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Joe. And Bob, now you've been a lawyer for, what, over 30 years now in Louisville, Kentucky, right? Yes, litigation more than 30 years. Okay, and uh, for as, as long as we've had this issue of personal data and computers and the Internet and so on, you, you've been dealing with the problems when things go wrong, and uh, many times, right? Yes. And Bob, you're, uh, you're practicing with the law firm of Frost Brown Todd, uh, which is, uh, uh, how do you describe the firm? Um, it is a large central, it is a large regional law firm based in the central United States uh, with a wide range of practitioners. I think we're all characterized by uh, dedication to clients' best interests and our collegiality in working with each other. Very good. And, uh, you know, you're in the litigation business, and people aren't always very nice in that business. But let me ask you this. Most of the data incidents and breaches you've handled, are they more for what we'd call mid-sized companies than the uh, gigantic uh, Fortune 100 companies? They have been for small to medium-sized businesses, yes. Right. And, Bob, you know, people in the data privacy space uh, read about, uh, you know, Equifax and Target and these, uh, you know, where millions of uh, people's data have been hacked or stolen or mistreated somehow. And you see these astronomical numbers of uh, the cost of these things. But in this podcast, we're going to talk more about what happens when mid-sized companies uh, face uh, a problem with uh, their use of personal data. So, so thanks for, for uh, uh, dealing with us on that. Let's start, Bob, with what, uh, what really happens when somebody in IT or somewhere figures out that something has gone wrong uh, with the data that they've collected or stored or processed or used. And uh, I, I, I think you refer that to that as a data incident. Would that be right? That's correct. Everything, everything begins as an incident. Uh, it may or may not become a reportable breach. So we're going to, that's a real important uh, difference in language. So an incident could be almost anything where there's concern about how personal data or other data was handled? Uh, yes, uh, personal data, uh, proprietary uh, business information, um, sensitive uh, intellectual property assets, um, whether hardware or software, uh, particularly with the emergence of the Internet of Things. Very good. And, and uh, so when, when we have an incident, maybe could you give us just a few examples of the ones you've encountered? Uh, not, you know, it'd be a long list, but just a, a few to, to give our listeners uh, some idea what, uh, what the examples are. Incidents have ranged from uh, laptop smash and grab to uh, international es commercial espionage to uh, alleged hijacking of a network for um, copyright and intellectual property violations, um, 
to uh, several fishing incidents, of course, uh, where the object was to obtain uh, either uh, immediately uh, useful information such as personal health or financial information or uh, what we call sometimes credentials fishing where someone is uh, compromised not so much for what they have right now but for the credentials that they have uh, that can be used for uh, future assaults in any number of directions. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, the different states in the United States, the federal government, nations all over the world have different rules about all this. So, you know, what triggers a client to call you? How, you know, when do you get involved? And then uh, take us through a little bit. What happens with a data incident? We get involved when typically when a client discovers either an intrusion or that some kind of non-public information has gone missing. Um, it can be, so it can be either a call for direct reasons or you know, something's, something's gone missing, what's, you know, what's, what's wrong. We also have gotten some calls uh, um, for, from businesses that have seen this happen to others and who want to uh, you know, make sure that they are prepared to, uh, to respond in a more effective way. Um, so it could be any one of those three, you know, direct or direct or indirect uh, you know, intrusion or misappropriation or just a desire to uh, be better prepared than uh, some of the uh, headlines that we've seen. Okay, so you get a call and, and uh, start talking to the company about what went wrong and just take us through some of the basic steps uh, that a company has to go through in dealing with uh, the problems you've mentioned. Sure. Um, we. It's basically a three-step, it starts with a general three-step process and it branches off depending upon the, the company's uh, particular circumstances. The first step, of course, is to contain, and that is you know, stop the bleeding. Um, if information is flowing out of the business, then stop it. Um, if assets are being you know, misappropriated for you know, improper use, then put a stop to it. Um, and the question is, the immediate question is, okay, how do we contain? Because there has been, in, over the decades now, um, a difference of opinion as to whether uh, containment means immediate interdiction and stopping the source, stopping the uh, improper event, or monitoring in order to build a better case for law enforcement, and also to avoid uh, you know, triggering uh, malware doomsday, because some malware can detect if someone is trying to you know, stop it and uh, do things like encrypt boot sectors uh, like you would see in a ransomware attack, but uh, not really seeking ransom, just seeking to destroy everything in sight. Yeah, there's certainly uh, been incidents I know where the, uh, you know, an entire IT system can be frozen, uh, one would say in a lay sense. Yes. So the, the, current, the current consensus, it seems to be, and we've dealt with in both situations, uh, contain, contain as much as necessary to stop the misappropriation of information or the use, misuse of facilities um, through whatever the least restrictive means are. So it's a it's combined you know, technical assessment of how to contain the intrusion or misappropriation and the legal question of how much needs to be done to protect the particular data or facilities that are at risk. Very good. So let's complete our waltz. That's the first step of the three, we, containment, and then what? Second, second step is counseling. That is, once we've accomplished containment, then we assess 
the degree of harm, and that's when, to your point about multiple jurisdictions, uh, we identify which uh, jurisdictions may be involved, whether they are regulatory agencies, states, uh, federal, United States or foreign governments, or even self-regulating uh, organizations such as the uh, payment card industry's uh, uh, PCI, uh, PCI requirements. Yeah, uh, which could be dealing with uh, big dollars aside from all the government issues. Yes, exactly. And so there, there's counseling to identify the affected data, the affected subjects, and the potentially relevant jurisdictions. Okay, and then the third step of the waltz. Third step is remediate. Um, we have identified the affected information, affected individuals, if any, affected jurisdictions. What do we need to do? Um, both to comply with any current uh, reporting requirements, but also, that's the point, uh, do we want to uh, consult with law enforcement? Uh, because it's a bigger problem than a business can should try to remediate on its own. Um, are there uh, steps that we can take in uh, to remediate in the form of uh, new procedures, new hardware, new software, new steps to uh, reduce the likelihood of a future occurrence? Because what the survey information seems to indicate is that once someone has been targeted and infiltrated, um, they're more likely to be targeted and attacked again. Uh -huh. Very good. So those are the three steps. And then uh, let me ask you this. Is every incident a breach? No. Okay. And uh, explain the difference. This, uh, this should be understood by people. An incident becomes a breach where the nature of the incident invokes a reporting obligation, usually because it involves uh, the exfiltration of personal data whether it's protected individual financial information, protected health information, broader definitions of uh, personal data under the GDPR or the new California legislation. Now, GDPR is a European approach, and I know the, 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 what do you have, three days, uh, am I right, in Europe to uh, uh, report a breach once you know or have good reason to know that there is one. Um, anyone who is subject to GDPR, whether they are physically in the EU or not, um, has, may have a 72-hour reporting obligation. Yeah, 72 hours. So you got it. I take it you don't get a lot of sleep when these things happen sometimes. Um, I have, yes, <laughs> we, we, try, we try to do contain, that's, a real, that's actually, that, that's a good question comment. We try to contain within 24 to 36 hours. We try to get at least the basics of counseling in time to meet a deadline as short as 72 hours. Right, so um, it's really uh, the IT people involved, you, other people in the company, and you figure out what went wrong and then get to step three as quick as you can. Absolutely. Okay. Let me talk uh, with you a little bit, Bob, about cost. I mean, frankly, I've read all sorts of numbers from, uh, you know, the average cost of a breach is $3 million. Another one say, oh, no, no, it's most of them are very cheap. I don't know. What's your experience? What is the reality for mid-sized companies? The reality is going to depend upon probably about four different factors. There are surveys that add up the costs of breach for small to medium-sized businesses and hit that million-dollar mark. There are other surveys that peg it at from 5000 to 100000 with a mean of thirty to $50,000. 
And looking at the, the assumptions of the surveys and the kind of data that are being collected, it seems to it, the magnitude of the, of the financial problem seems to involve about four different uh, factors. The first being what types of data are at issue. Um, publicly reportable breach information uh, because it brings in additional layers of scrutiny, additional layers of compliance, um, that starts multiplying the cost immediately. Um, how many individuals are involved and um, what jurisdictions are they in? Um, that's going to increase the amount of outreach that needs to be done. It increases the number of different laws that need to be considered. And finally, the, the fourth and maybe over, often overlooked uh, cost factor is how good of an incident response plan does the business have in place? Because if the business has an incident response plan that already identifies um, the types of sensitive data they have, you know, how many people or how many jurisdictions are involved, then um, those things can be handled much more quickly. Well, that's, we're going to talk about prevention in a minute, but uh, mm -hmm. uh, of course, uh, co companies are increasingly uh, adding a, a data breach insurance uh, piece to their insurance uh, armor, and I assume with that, the the insurers are encouraging, certainly, maybe requiring, I don't know, uh, incident response plans in advance, right? The market is still developing in that, it is developing in that direction. Different carriers will have uh, different uh, degrees of requirements that uh, that they want to impose. Well, thank you, Bill. Well, let me wind up by asking you this. We've been talking about what happens when there is an incident and, uh, you know, maybe then a breach uh, is part of that. But uh, from the lessons you've learned over this uh, many years you've been dealing with this, what are the lessons learned to, to prevent an incident from arising in the first place? What are the key learnings? There, more than 90% of breaches reported in the last incidents and breaches reported in the last couple of years have come through email compromise. And could be anybody in the company. Could could be anyone doing anything at any time. Yeah. The issue is that over the last several generations, we have been. It, not encouraged, uh, but it, it has been easy to rely upon automation to do things automatically. We're able to do a whole lot more, and we're able to do a lot more a lot faster than we used to be able to do. The issue is that the tools are value neutral. The more things that we do automatically without paying specific attention to what we're doing, the easier it is for those tools to be infiltrated, subverted, and used for bad, you know, used for used for bad things. So there's a balance that we have to strike between taking advantage of the convenience of automated systems and exercising vigilance in how we use those systems and how much we pay to their operations. You know, hover and look before you click on an email attachment. Maybe the simplest way of the describing that in practice. And training your employees and uh, doing the best you can to prevent the problems from arising. Yes. Well, Bob, thank you very much. Bob Dybert, a uh, real expert in this area, leading us through this thicket of what happens when uh, data goes wrong, when there's a data incident. Bob, thank you very much. I uh, really appreciate your insights. And thank you, for Jim. the data privacy detective, remember, 
protecting your personal data always begins with you.